This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is Hide and Seek. And these are the Sextras. Bonus sexy content. Good gravy! Exclusive to podcast. And you're back with Hide and Seek for uh, yet another week. In the main episode, we have been speaking about sexual racism. Michael and I have been talking with Preston and Pussycat. And you are welcome back for the sextras. (laughs) And look, one of the things that we talked about... we. Covered a lot of very heavy content in the main episode. And so for the listeners, I know that that was a lot. (laughs) And so now it's time to look at the brighter side and ways that we can actually move forward. What can event producers actually do to promote racial inclusion? So again, it goes back to, I'm always going to go back to marketing, right? Mm. Yep. not only marketing, but reaching out into the community. If you don't see a demographic in your in your establishment or at your event, you have to ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. And once you start asking yourself why, is seek out those individuals who, and it, it starts with the leaders. A lot of them starts with who's visible in your community that you can always reach out and have that conversation to. Like, hey, I noticed that it's not that many POC people coming to my event. What is it? Like, have those candid conversations. Call a meeting. Um, this is some of the voices and figure out what it is that the community is asking or what the community is asking and what their needs are. And I think if a lot of contests and a lot of producers and a lot of bar owners really sit back and start having those conversations, they, I think they would become very much more successful um, because a lot of times they don't listen to the community and what the community is asking for. And eventually you're going to run, you're going to run everyone away. I couldn't have said any of that better, Pussycat. Um, so so true about marketing. Um, the other thing that I would say is is you know, and I, I you know, both of you know exactly what I'm about to say, which is um, those policies and processes mm. and actual mechanisms to keep people safe. I think it's just it's remarkable to me that out of the hundreds and hundreds of queer and kink events that exist in this world. Only a very small handful actually have a enforceable code of conduct, actually yeah. have an anti-harassment policy, actually dictate on their websites, on their posters, on their um, event pages, what is unacceptable behavior. Yeah. And you look at, for example, this incident that happened recently um, uh, at uh, Manchester Rubber Weekend, mm. where somebody was um, engaging in uh, some fun and then was filmed um, without their consent, and then this video was 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 published, um, you know, for the entire world to see. That's the sort of thing that if you don't have policies and processes and procedures in place that expressly uh, uh, dictate what behaviors are and aren't acceptable, mm. those sorts of things are going to keep on happening. Mm. Um, yeah, and so it's remarkable. To, one of the things that I think is very funny as well um, is we in the kink community. We always talk about you know safe, sane, consensual kink, and mm. we like to kind of get on this high horse 
about, oh, you know, well, kinky people and fetish people, you know, we're actually, you know, more, you know, more attuned to uh, things like consent, more attuned to things like safe sex and and safe play and safe kink, Um, which is true in some ways. But the resistance Mm. that I face whenever I bring this up with event organizers or bar, well, you know, bar owners obviously have a different prerogative, which is their bottom line. But when I bring this up with event producers or with community organizers, it's, it's remarkable the pushback I get. Um, and people say, no, 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 we don't, we don't need that. We don't need that. And I tell them, well, how do you know that, that it's okay? How do you know that there aren't yeah. violent acts or abuse um, happening in your spaces? You don't know that because or people might not be in yeah. Or even microaggressions, right? Exactly. And, and it's the, the amount of um, sort of just tunnel vision that people have saying, mm. no, it can't happen here because I haven't heard about it. Well, are they comfortable enough to come to yeah. you have and you tell you about these things? To actually talk about what they've gone through. Especially if, as you were saying in the main episode, people are having those experiences, telling no one, and as you said, walking up the stairs and and leaving the venue never to be seen or heard from again. What is the the feedback mechanism? How are you receiving that feedback? You're you're simply Mm. not, I guess. Yes. I was actually at a thing last week talking about potential reforms to Victoria's anti-vilification legislation. And one of the speakers actually said, People being treated like they shouldn't be in public leads to them feeling like they shouldn't be in public, leads to them acting like they shouldn't be in public. So it actually does result in Mm. irreparable harm, uh, both to not just how they're feeling, but how they'll actually behave. They will start acting antisocially because they're being treated antisocially. And it's horrific that we're uh, living in a system that kind of reinforces that. Uh, I wanted to pivot into um, a a more uplifting side of things in terms of maybe highlighting a couple of things that either of you, Preston or Pussycat, have experienced in either your your own home bars or something you've experienced internationally that's really made you, affirmed you being in a kink space before, something that a, a party promoter has done or something you've just taken away and gone, wow, that was really well considered and POC were really... Included so, in that in that conversation. So I think for me, it's been a couple of things. Um, definitely within my local community, um, seeing more imagery of POC folks being uh, marketed. Um, I actually have had one of our local bars um, several times before they even put out an advertisement. Actually, it's like, hey, can you take a look at this? Um, you just want to make sure, like, how is it being presented? And for me, I was like, wow, you find it's like it's finally gets here. It. Someone gets it. Like, you know, and what it was is they had a um, a poster. It was with a, supposed to be like a cis black white man, an Asian man, and a POC man, and how they were positioned in the poster. And uh, we kind of just talked about it, you know. Um, and I, I kind of gave them some feedback, and then they kind of made some changes. But it, it, it that's where it starts. You know, it starts of reaching out and trying to get someone else from a different lens to look at what the flyer looks like and how it could be perceived. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's been a lot a bit more push with, um, you know, just trying to be included at the table. And I think the other part of it is like, you know, when I go to an event or I leave an event and I get the DMs from an individual that says, you know, you're empowering me to embrace my feminine side or you're empowering me as a POC person to show up. Um, there's been several people that I've been that will reach out to me on recon and I'm like, when I'm coming to this event, I'm going to this social and they show up at the social and then they feel accepted and then come to find out like six, seven months later, you kind of circle back around locally in the community and you realize and you find out they're starting to be active in the community. And I think for me, those are the aha moments. And it's like, wow, this is why 
I try to be visible. And when I go into the communities, start reaching out to some of the POCs and different people within the community on different social apps and let them know like, hey, I'm going to be here. Why don't you come out? And then to kind of see them start flourishing is, is, is really rewarding. You know, for, for, for me personally, I, you know, I would, you know, certainly echo what Pussycat said, which is hearing from people that you are really hoping to target, right? And I think this is one of those things that when you see people who look like you mm. um, and they come to your event or they come to your community, they come to your bar and, and you see them having a good time, it just, it just brings me to tears of joy. Um, yep. One of the things that happened to me um, fairly recently, and this has happened a couple times, but but you know, one in particular really struck me, which is, um, you know, uh, as as Pussycat knows as well, you know, we get reached out to from a lot of different people who are um, interested in fetish, interested in kink, um, but might not feel comfortable actually going to an event. And um, I heard from somebody who was um, um, also of East Asian heritage who reached out, um, you know, said to me in a, a direct message on Instagram saying, you know, if it wasn't for you, um, I don't, I wouldn't have gone to my first kink event. I wouldn't have felt comfortable even beginning to explore um, this aspect of myself. And I might not even be on this earth um, if it weren't wow. uh, oh. for the fact that I saw you. And and that... <laughs> um, I, I was, was going to try to make it through without uh, <laughs> without without getting emotional, but um, yeah, that that just defines why we are visible, as Pussycat said, right? Mm. The importance of of being visible, of representing ourselves, of representing our community, it has such an outsized impact. It touches so many more people than we can ever even possibly imagine, and that's ultimately why we are here to shine as queer people, to shine as kinky people, to be um, our full selves because we help others become their full selves too. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much for those beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, responses. Um, yeah. On to, again, practicality. Uh, we love a good tip here. So what... Just the tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. For now. <laughs> God, that joke's never going to die, no. I swear. Mm-hmm. Um, so what makes a good ally? So we've got a lot of people in the community who probably aren't quite sure what they can do practically. So as as a punter going to an event, how can allies support their uh, POC community, their friends, their colleagues, and actually help them to feel accepted in kink spaces? So for me, that's kind of a loaded question. Because I think a lot of allies have very good intentions, um, but a lot of times a true ally um, should step back and listen, um, inquire, ask questions, and ask, how can I help? Not do the action, because a mm. lot of times the action that they do diminishes what whatever that minority community is trying to do. So I think it goes back to, and, and, and it happens so much. And, you know, a lot of times some of the allies or some allies, I'm like, I'm tapping them like, I understand what you're trying to do and what you're saying is from the heart, but you're whitewashing and you're, you're washing out what is trying to be done. Um, mm. And we need to listen to the community that's been affected and, and really ask them, how can I help? How can I use my privilege to give you your voice. And I think once we can get a lot of more allies to do that, 
it will it can it can definitely help in a positive way with moving the community forward yeah something i heard i can't even remember where i saw this i think it might have been on instagram someone shared like during the 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 guts of really the, the black lives matter movement in the us um and the death of george floyd there were a lot of people asking these questions of like well how can i help what should i do how do i not impose my whiteness onto this narrative how do i respectfully engage in this conversation and uh, a tip that someone online suggested to me was um go, go onto your instagram go into your twitter follow 10 black creators or 10 asian creators and don't comment don't post don't post on their wall don't do anything just listen just absorb the content and hear from people. So that I guess that goes to yeah. fetish creators, to yeah. title holders like yourselves. Like follow these people that have marginalized stories to tell and just listen to the stories. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you can help and you can use our platform. Sometimes your platform might just be, you know what? You need this resource. I have an open access to know, maybe I might know this CEO that can help you. And let me, let me introduce you guys. And, and that's all that person needs to be able to mm. do whatever it could be. It don't need you to take my story and tell my story to the CEO, right? Mm. And I think that a lot of times that what happens. Our allies take it in. We've seen a lot of it with, like, with the Touche incident. It, you know, you have a situation with racism and a, a puppeteer, and then now you have all these cis white men coming. And I'm like, okay, but you you – kind of understand the just of it but you don't really fully understand the just of it and then mm. even on the at the local level the pocs were like okay but we can also make this an educational moment but then you, the allies are like no cancel culture so it's like you're going backwards to what we're trying to actually do right and a lot yeah. of times we are really are trying to turn this into an educational moment and how can we move forward as a community mm. but sometimes our allies looking at it through their lens yeah. is like well i'm helping you and it's like but it's kind of now we're starting yeah. to be counterproductive. So it's like, mm. like listen, we're, we're trying step- to make something out of this situation, Correct. and you're stepping in and trying to take it away. Correct. Yeah. Um, look, there's one more thing um, that I would like to cover off, and that's some of the the things that organisations can do to actually support the uh, the communities around them, the various multicultural communities around them, mm. and. One of the things that I know through work that Michael and I have actually been doing is uh, some of the organisations here in Australia have actually started making their content available in a range of languages uh, to make it more accessible to people uh, from a variety of cultural and linguistic backgrounds. And Michael, could you actually tell us a bit about that project? Well, which one? I feel like we're involved in, in a few. Um, so myself and um, for uh, for the listener and I guess for, for Preston and for, for Pussycat, John and I are involved in kind of the prep advocacy space here in, in Australia and have been for some time. Mm. Um, and our website has always languished by the fact that we are, we operate on the the memory of the smell of an oily rag. So no, <laughs> no funding. But we were fortunate enough to get a little bit of funding to be able to translate our entire website into a number of different languages for, because for context in Australia, we're seeing kind of like a divergent epidemic of HIV here that it's predominantly being acquired by uh, minority populations, particularly men who have sex with men that are born overseas in, like you were saying, Preston, some of those countries where um, they might not be safe to be out and then they move to a more inclusive and... Um, 
supportive environment like Australia and they come out and then don't have the sexual health literacy and yada, yada, yada. Um, so we've been working on that and the PAN website is now available in, I can't even remember how many languages now, I think it's 12, um, mm. which is very exciting. So people can go on and um, access things like our coupon schemes. So um, they can apply for a free prep coupon prep in Australia is generally relatively uh, affordable unless you don't have access to our public health system, which a lot of people from overseas don't. Um, and I know the situation is even more precarious in the US with things being tied to people's private health cover, which is often tied to their employment, which is a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, I'm also actually working on a new um, project, which will be re- released a little bit later in the year, and I can probably talk about it a bit more formally down the track, but we're sharing the personal stories of people that are um, from a culturally and linguistically diverse background in their own languages, which has been a real challenge, I must say, as a, um, you know, even if I was a person of color in this role, you know, I might speak Chinese, for instance, but we're interviewing all these people from these vast different backgrounds. Some people speak Gujarati, some of them speak Chinese, some of them speak Swedish. um, And it's been really challenging to make sure that those people feel safe and supported when they're they're sharing their stories. But that's been... um, that's been a really wonderful experience and something I've taken away from that is the importance of, like you were saying, Pussycat, the kind of the community consultation. So making sure that you've got a diverse range of people that can inform when you're developing projects to say, hey, does this pass the what we call the pub test in Australia? Does this make sense? Yeah. If I tell this to a stranger from that community, does this sound like it was orchestrated in a culturally safe, culturally competent kind of way? Um, and I feel that's becoming more common practice to have things like community advisory committees that drive yeah. some of those projects. Um, and a lot of organizations are doing things like making their uh, resources more accessible and in multiple languages as well. Cool. Um, and I th- it's probably actually worth shouting out to, I know um, uh, our uh, body positive organization here in Victoria, Living Positive Victoria, are working on translating some of their resources and content yes. at the moment. And I think they're looking for a particular number of languages that they would like people to speak um, to be able to review content that's based around HIV. So mm. I might be able to chuck that up on our socials or chuck a link in our podcast. Yeah, because I think one of the problems with translating things uh, that do relate to a queer lens is that sometimes if you get a professional translator in, they may not necessarily have the jargon uh, available to yeah. cover off some of the uh, the subjects that are under discussion. I know that there's been a resource released uh, recently that actually has a bunch of uh, queer terminology available in seven different languages uh, just to make some of those conversations more uh, mm. easily accessible. So, Which can be really tricky because sometimes yeah. the most direct translation of a term like homosexual, for instance, or gay might be something that's really like not affirming. It can mm. be a really stigmatizing word to use. So it's really important to work with culturally competent translators or yeah. where possible, Build your build your resources from the ground up. So your best practice is not to translate from English into another language. It's to work with that community to, Correct. like yeah. you said, to, yeah. to build it from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I say it goes back to going back to the community, yeah. Yeah. right? Because every community identifies and and look at things and terminology differently, and especially like in America and like in our population, when you start dealing with um, black gay men you know, there's a lot of stigma in a lot of it. So that's why we, a lot of us, we even just use the term MSM, men who have sex with men. And you'll be amazed on how many people identify with that, but they want to identify with gay or homosexual. Yeah. So it really goes back to going back to the community, yeah. talking with the community, yeah. and really listening and bringing them to the table. The only way that you're going to ever conquer, and I don't want to say conquer, but 
get the buy-in from the community and, and have that curve happen mm-hmm. yeah. is the community teaching the community, right? And educating yes. the community. And the only way you're going to get into and really educate a community is speaking like the community, mm-hmm. thinking like the community. And the only way you're going to get that is if you go in and bring the community into the conversation. If you 100%. do not do that, you will, you're will. you not going to penetrate the community like you want to. Mm. And we'd love to penetrate the community. <laughs> I'm all about penetrating the community. And look, it has been an absolute pleasure having both of you on Hide and Seek uh, tonight. Uh, so thank you very much, Preston. Thank you again, uh, Pussycat. And, of course, Michael, always a pleasure. Ally. Yay. Um, <laughs> before we let you go, uh, where can we find you online? How can people get in touch with you? We'll have links in our podcast. So what are your what are your title holder handles or, or places that people can find you? So um, all of my social media handles are Pussycat Onyx. And Pussycat is spelled P-U-S-C-K-A-T-T dot Onyx, O-N-Y-X. And that's my handle for all social media. Very convenient. Mm-hmm. And as for me, you can find me at my website, M-I-Rubber. That's M-I-R-U-B-B-E-R-X-X.com. Uh, my socials, I currently am only on Instagram. I'm not on the hell site, formerly or currently known as X. Um, but <laughs> you, can, you can find me also at uh, M-I-Rubber-X-X on Instagram. Um, it, and my second profile, which is my travel-focused profile, tight underscore connection um that's connection uh, spelled without the x so c-o-n-n-e-c-t-i-o-n um and then also um for those who are interested i also have a um what i'm calling a a sort of kink and fetish spend guide which is available on my website mirubberxx.com which lists um it's a little out of date um i'd love to have some support um uh, and 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 help in maintaining it but it does list uh, uh, events around the world and, and kink communities and fetish um, goings on that have codes of conduct, that have representation, Amazing. that are inclusive Beautiful. and um, reflect the full spectrum of our community. So, Well, we will have those uh, resources in the links uh, connected to this podcast. You're with the Sexperts on Hide and Seek on Joy 94.9. Do you want more? Yes! Yes! Oh! Yes! Yes! Oh! Catch all the Hide and Seek episodes on podcast at joy.org.au slash hide and seek. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.